So good evening. Can you can you hear me in the back? Yeah. New microphone for me. A new person up here for you. <laughs> um, so my name's Will Cabotsim, and I'll uh, be here with you assisting for the last, uh, I should say, the rest of the retreat. And I just arrived today. And it's a little, uh, it's a little strange coming into the middle of a retreat uh, and not uh, having met any of you, uh, and not knowing where you're at exactly. Uh, but I, I thought it would be a good idea for me to sit up here tonight and uh, speak with you a little and uh, kind of get a feel for what's happening. And you can get a little feel for me too. And I look forward to uh, getting to know many of you over uh, these next weeks. But I think I'll uh, speak a little bit about uh, effort. I was asked to speak about effort. Uh, not that there's any sense that uh, you need to make more of it. You know, usually it's the opposite. But effort is one of those kind of themes that keeps coming back. Uh, really in everything we do. So it's kind of always a relevant topic. Uh, and especially in meditation because it's sort of an unusual kind of activity and requires a different kind of effort than uh, many of us are used to making. There's a a kind of a culture, a society, we tend to be uh, really good effort makers. We're good at doing. We're big doers. We like to get things done. But in in that kind of doing, uh, we can miss something that's very, uh, very close to us. Yeah. If we're making that kind of, kind of big doing effort in meditation, we can kind of miss what's uh, most fundamental. There's even the idea of kind of cultivating awareness can be misleading. 
because awareness is here all the time. And it operates effortlessly. I mean, isn't that's true in terms of your hearing my voice? You don't have to do a lot for that to happen. It's kind of amazing, actually. You don't know what I'm going to say, but you, you end up hearing what I'm actually saying. So you don't have to do any anticipating. And that's true with seeing as well. You're seeing very clearly. Um, relatively clearly, depending on vision, which is different than awareness. That's just the organ. But without making a huge amount of effort, there's some sense of seeing if you have sight. Uh, If you don't, you can use any other sense, uh, feeling. It doesn't require a lot of effort to be aware of the room. That's something that awareness kind of just does for you. And when something changes in it like that, you're just aware of it. Because you didn't know I was going to do that, but you can, you can see it. So that's a relief because you don't have to know everything in advance and just kind of the awareness takes care of the knowing part of it for you. And that's true with uh, sensation, feeling in the body too. Uh, You have this capacity for feeling and if you tap on your knee, you can feel it without trying too hard. I always think this is important to kind of point out just as a reminder, even though you've all been practicing uh, for quite a while. uh, It's always a helpful reminder for me just that, oh, wow, it's, it's a closer and um, more immediate than I can sometimes think this amazing mind, uh, this amazing capacity that uh, is happening for all of us all the time. This knowingness, which is just goes on and on. And, uh, and we can't stop it. That part always gets me. You, you can't turn it off. Uh, you can't stop being aware. You can stop being aware of one particular thing. I'll shift the attention. But there's always some uh, awareness happening, even when you're not aware of it. I mean, that's 
uh, true in, in dreaming is kind of a good example of this. Uh, you wake up and you remember your dream. You say, I, w- I wasn't aware because I was dreaming. But somebody remembers the dream. So there was some awareness present. And then sometimes even in the dream, you become aware that you're dreaming. And that's just like when you're awake, remembering that the awareness is already there. And then, wow, here, here's the dream it's happening. So, you know, part of the reason this is a good reminder is because often we're, we're sort of chasing awareness. We're trying to get it. Uh, and we're kind of moving in the wrong direction because it's not there, wherever we're trying to go with it. Um, it's a lot closer. So sometimes a lot of our effort in meditation is the effort of trying to get there to the, where we think it is. And that's a kind of uh, deluded effort. Yeah. It's not going to lead us to it. Um, one example of this that I... Uh, like is um, uh, looking for your car keys. Uh, You're looking all over for them and you can't find them anywhere and you're really looking and you're turning the house upside down to find your keys and they're not anywhere and where are they? And so you even looking harder and then after a while you stop and you're like where are they and then you feel in your pocket and you're like okay there are my keys and you i feel like a little bit of an idiot when i do that but it's it's also uh you know, it's very analogous to what I'm talking about. It's like that effort to find the keys. It's not even not useful. It's actually very useful. Because if you didn't make all that effort, you, wouldn't have looked in your, you might not have looked in your pocket. You, know, you, you search everywhere and you don't find them. And that not finding leads you to kind of check again in a different way. So it's not even that that effort was wasted. It's not. It, in a way, helped you arrive where you were or where the keys already were. So in, in practice, it's often the, the search uh, 
or some state of awareness or some state of something, a particular experience that we're wanting to have in a given moment. It's usually not what's already happening. And and then there's some effort that we make to try to get there. And uh, it can be very frustrating. So in a way, after we look for our keys, you know, 10,000 times everywhere, we start to get a little more familiar with the reality that we always have the keys in our pocket, to stretch the analogy a little bit. This knowingness, this... uh, Wakefulness is is actually always here, functioning. When we start to sort of uh, tune to that, rest in that, hang out with that more, and to sort of chase experience less. Sometimes when something is so immediate, the, in, in any effort to kind of be in touch with it, we, we almost miss it because it requires too subtle an effort. Um, I have a, a 10-year-old stepson. And, um, and a friend of mine bought me a, st- a stunt kite. I don't know if you've ever seen a stunt kite, uh, but it has two strings and you, know, you fly it like a normal kite, but then you can pull on the strings and make it do tricks. If you pull on the left side, it sort of dives to the left. If you pull on the right side, it dives to the right. If you pull really hard, it'll kind of spin around. And, um, and we, I took it with him down to the uh, Berkeley Marina. I live in California. Uh, there's a lot of wind there, usually. Uh, and any time, it was true for me when I started to try to learn how to fly this kite. At first, I actually uh, couldn't pull on it gently enough. I would pull on it, and it would just dive right down and hit the ground. And then I'd move it, i try to move it to the left, and it would hit the ground. And it took a while for me to get a, a feel for this kind of much subtler movement. And I noticed when uh, my stepson was trying to fly it, uh, he went through this very frustrating process of crashing the kite a lot, you know, and he, but he really wanted to stick with it. You know, he was determined. That's one of the paramis, right? Determination. So he was 
really determined. Like, and he was pulling on the thing, you know, he was really excited and the wind was really strong. So he was, and, and it kept crashing. Uh, and it was really interesting to watch him, him go through this process. And at a certain point, he kind of stopped and he lay down with the kite. And when he was lying down, he could kind of make these really subtle movements. And it was beautiful. The kite was doing all kinds of things. So you, uh, in meditation, just in the, pro, and the, even if you don't call it meditation, just in the process of being aware with experience as it arises, moment after moment, we're going through a kind of a dual learning process. One is we're learning how to be with the experience that's arising. You know, this vast array of experiences uh, that arise. And that's a, that's a process. And when you have time to sit like you are over an extended period of time, there's a kind of deepening into layers of experience, different kinds of experiences, different content arises. Some of it may be familiar, some of it may be very unfamiliar. And sometimes we can think that we're supposed to kind of already know how to be with everything. But the reality is we don't. And so there's a learning process, just like with the kite. So some of what we're um, being with is physical process, pain, discomfort. Uh, It's unusual. to spend so much time with a body as you have been. And I imagine you've been developing a new kind of relationship to even what this is experientially, this body. Uh, New experiences arise in it and we start, we crash the kite a few times or more than a few times and we're learning how to be with it, whatever it is, in a gentler kind of way. So this is true, can be true with content, maybe uh, kind of things from your history or your Life can be uh, memories, um, you know, your, your stuff, layers of it. The wonderful thing about retreat is not always easy, often not, but to have time to just let uh, some of this sort of long unattended to content emerge and be attended to.
uh, it really is, I do think of it as like developing a relationship, you know, as you would with any uh, being, other being. You know, relationship doesn't happen right away. It's a process. You, you need to spend time. Uh, there needs to be some care and exchange and honoring and you need to go through, if it's going to be a really deep relationship, go through some struggles. Uh, that's how you build a real relationship. And so, um, you know, we're doing this with the vast range of our experience and it includes the range. That's one of the wonderful things about sitting for so long as you see uh, how vast human experience is. All the different moods and emotions that one experiences in a day, let alone a week, hope, despair, inspiration, joy, sadness, fear, boredom, restlessness, anger, And you know, often we sort of identified with certain of these human experiences. We're sort of used to a few, we're familiar with them. Uh, in our lives, we tend to pay attention to them, but here we get to see that it's all here and to make room for it. It's very impersonal in that way. And you know, not only do we uh, begin to become familiar with all of the, the kind of content of mind and body, uh, honoring what's arising in the moment and being in relationship to that, but we also um, begin to develop a familiarity and relationship with um, the kind of nature of experience itself, or the nature of conditioned phenomena, which is, so conditioned phenomena includes all of this. Everything that can be in, uh, known by awareness, everything you can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, cognize the mind, it's a conditioned phenomena, reality. Can you still hear me in the back? Okay. So, and you've probably heard these words, but uh, impermanence. You have time here to get deeply familiar with this 
uh, aspect of reality, that things are changing. And you may see this in various ways. Sort of unignorable. And sometimes it can be uh, really joyful. Sometimes it can be scary. But it's not an aspect of experience we tend to pay a lot of attention to. And uh, I shouldn't say we. Uh, Maybe that's not true for many of you. Maybe you are paying attention to it, and that's wonderful. But I should say societally, uh, we tend to not. We tend to not be sustaining attention long enough to notice impermanence. But as you sustain attention, it sort of starts to become really obvious. You can't get back the experience that you had earlier today, that really great meditation. That's just, that's impermanence. It's gone. And that moment when you felt like, you know, you just couldn't stay here another moment, and that, that's gone. That's at a more obvious level. But we have a chance to really hang out with this reality and... Uh, integrate it. It's true too for dukkha, the kind of suffering that comes from uh, wanting what we don't have and not wanting what we have. We get to experience that a lot. It's not so different from that chase uh, that I was talking about earlier, the search for your keys. When you're wanting what's not happening right now, there's a suffering in that. It's immediate, a dis-ease. And so we have a lot of time. I'm sure you didn't, um, you know, order everything that arose today. Like in the morning, you wrote out a menu. First I'll have this, and then I'll have this, then I'll have this, and a little of this joy, some insight, and then bliss in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, doesn't happen like that. So there was some that maybe you, I'm guessing, you didn't want, or some that you wanted more of, some experience. And you get to feel the immediate feedback of dukkha, this dis-ease. That comes from wanting and not wanting. So we have time to develop a relationship to this aspect of reality, to get really familiar with it, to become good friends. Uh, when we're in relationship like this, then, then we can, then things begin to shift in terms of how we relate to our good friend. You start to develop a feel. It's less of an idea and just more of a feel for, ooh, that whatever that movement is, you know, it just doesn't feel right. 
So there's a natural settling back here. Yeah. Even this move. You familiar with this one? Yeah. Even that one, we kind of feel like, oh, we feel the dis-ease of that. And we just start to soften into... We're developing this capacity to be with whatever's arising and to not have to pick and choose or search and try and all of that effort. All right, I'm talking about effort. All of that moving, not wanting, wanting, that requires energy, a a lot of it. So as we develop this feel, things start, we start to get simpler in a way. And to trust in the being with what's here right now. Uh, So not only do we begin to develop a relationship to phenomenal experience, the content, the stuff we're aware of. We also begin to develop a relationship to this, this beingness, awareness, knowingness itself. The, um, the, the beingness that itself doesn't have any content but is what allows all of this to be known. Uh, Just that simple awareness that I was talking about at the beginning, the seeing, the hearing, the smelling, the tasting, the touching, the cognizing. It's the simple awareness. We also begin to just be familiarized with this uh, and trust it more. Maybe I'll, I'll share a little anecdote about over-efforting. Um, I feel like being, I've been, been around a lot of kids lately, just in our, my neighborhood. And for some reason, a lot of, I just seeing all of this Dharma. In the, Dharma's everywhere, but in this interactions. And so I was playing handball with, uh, some kids from the neighborhood, my stepson and this other kid who's, uh, uh, I think he, when we were 
I think he's like seven. Say, little guy. They're both kind of little guys. Uh, we're playing handball against this wall, um, and I, you know, I, I used to be an athlete, and but I, I didn't play much handball. Uh, and they play with a big ball, you know, just hitting it, and um, and they're pretty good. Uh, even Coltrane is this little guy. He's just quite good. So I was playing with them, and I'm I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> to tell you the truth. And, uh, and they are killing me at this game. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like trying really hard, <laughs> you know? Uh, and the worse that they're beating me, the harder I'm trying. So, and I'm like way bigger than them, so I'm throwing my, my weight around, you know? Uh, and at one point, Coltrane turns to me and he says, he says, Will, don't be aggressive. <laughs> it just makes things worse. <laughs> so that was my little Dharma teaching. I, I, I stopped. Too. I was like, yeah. and he was totally right. And then I relaxed and I stopped trying so hard. And lo and behold, I started to learn how to play handball. I'm not going to try to relate that story to anything. You get the point. <laughs> but sometimes what we experience in meditation is, feels really, is really unfamiliar. Uh, so it can be challenging to know how to relate, e- even at just states of mind that we're not used to. Sometimes just calm or stillness is, can be very unfamiliar. So we sort of don't know what to do with it. The mind gets very excited. Oh, no. None of I, you know, or uh, try to make something else happen. Sometimes we want to be experiencing calm so badly for so long, and then when it comes, it's like, what? Peace? This is boring. You know, maybe if I just really deepen into it, then I'll feel something else will happen. You know, so fine. So. But again, so we're getting to know these other dimensions of experience. Uh, you know, we always say, oh, if I was just uh, relaxed, then everything would be great. But suddenly we don't know what to do with relaxed, you know, or peace, stillness. We don't know what to do with it. So we're getting familiar with it. Okay. Learning how to hang out with stillness. And then... What do you know? We have a relationship with stillness. We can actually live it uh, and not fight it. Uh, but, but so much sometimes, even content-wise, things about ourselves that we're not familiar with can arise, you know, or that we've kind of known for a long time exist, but that we've never really met you know, so it can be scary and overwhelming. Um, and, you know, one way that I sometimes think about practice is um, it's kind of like becoming indigenous to your own experience. 
if you were airlifted into the Amazon rainforest, you, you wouldn't, you know, and you were just dropped in the middle of the jungle somewhere. Of course, I don't know all of you. Maybe somebody's from there, and it would be very familiar. Uh, but I'm sure for many of you, you'd have no idea what was what in that environment. You wouldn't know what was safe to eat. You wouldn't know how to get food. You wouldn't know how to find water. You wouldn't know how to orient. If you were indigenous to that area, it would be exactly the opposite. Everything would have meaning. You'd understand where you were. You'd know how to read the conditions. You could enjoy being there, living there. Wouldn't be such a struggle for survival. So, yeah, often when we really drop in, this can feel like alien territory. And then there's this becoming indigenous to your own experience more and more. Which makes it a lot easier to not have to run somewhere else. Yeah, that, all that energy of trying to get somewhere else is not so necessary. Because usually it's just an attempt to get something we don't feel we have, something missing here. Another thing that tends to lead to a kind of skewed effort uh, as we practice, as we uh, be here, is our really tenacious habit of identifying with what's happening as me. That's like... uh, We're experiencing some... Uh, restlessness or agitation and it becomes about me. I'm a restless person. Everybody else is calm. I've been here for however many weeks and I'm still restless. Or Sadness, I'm a 
sad person. I'm a sad sack. Yeah. I'm just a bummer. We do this so quickly with experience almost all the time. Or I'm having a great meditation. I'm the best yogi in the world. Everything's so peaceful. Next thing for me is robes and the mountaintop. I'll be preaching to everybody. It happens really fast too. Five minutes after being a sad sack or maybe two minutes. So, but when, when it's happening, we're really believing it, you know? Or, you know, I've been practicing for 15 years. This is in the middle of a sitting where you're struggling with something and I'm still dealing with this. My meditation has not led me anywhere. I haven't gotten anywhere. All this effort is wasted. That's a thought. Yeah. But it's just, it becomes a reality very quickly. It's from identifying with inexperience that's happening in the moment by making it me. This is my identity now. And then, wow, then I have to make up for all the time I wasted and I have to get somewhere finally. It's a huge project (laughs) that arose in one second. You know, it's like I just invented a whole history and a whole future. And now I have to live out this incarnation that I've created (laughs) out of a moment of frustration. It's like magic, but it's happening all the time. So uh, that's a big part of how we create more effort making for ourselves is from making a me out of just what's happening. We're adding me. Me wasn't there. But we, we made the me. Often we don't see that part. Yeah. We inserted the me into nature. It's actually, you can, we have a kind of natural intelligence about nature. We don't tend to do that with nature. Of course, we exclude ourselves from nature. We're kind of something different in our opinion. But when you look at nature, you don't add the me to nature. And so one example of this is if there's a tree, uh, and I use this example all the time because I like it. If there's a tree yeah. growing in a kind of in a drought, and it's the leaves are falling off, it's obviously parched. It looks like it's on the verge of death. We intuitively don't say. That tree will never amount to anything (laughs) because it just doesn't work hard enough. (laughs) Extracting moisture from the soil, we don't do that. That would be silly. You're laughing. 
because we, we could have intuitively recognized that its causes and conditions contribute to the state of the tree. Yeah. It's not that we're powerless. We can affect the conditions of the tree. We can shade it and water it and put new soil there. You know, we can tend to the tree. But that tending has a very different quality to it than, you know, get your tree self in gear. You know, it's very different. You know? So, uh, you know, meditation becomes a struggle when it becomes that kind of personal thing. You know, when we abstract ourselves from nature and somehow we're an exception to this causes and conditions phenomena. No, it's the same. You're the tree. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You may be a flourishing tree right now, and that's wonderful. But but then the, the quality of the tending changes just naturally. So uh, it's a wonderful thing about practice is we are learning this about us just being nature experientially. It starts to be hard to ignore because you're not in control of what's arising. Admit it. You know? you're, you're not ordering what's arising. Uh, it's causes and conditions unfolding body and mind. So our, our effort in meditation is, can be kind of simple, you know, just attending to what's arising in the moment as best we can and coming back again and again to what's here. Mm-hmm. Noticing when we create a self, and uh, we create an incarnation for ourselves to live out. This is moment-to-moment rebirth. Yeah. Now I'm a sad sack. Now I'm the you know, yogi of the month. Uh, noticing how we create time which then uh, may give us a lot that we need to do. I've been here so long, I need to, before I leave, I need to dot, dot, dot. That's, again, just a thought that arises in the moment. There really is no time in that way. Is just experientially, it's just always this moment. It's all we have. It's like the awareness, there's always some knowing present, uh, but it's always now, it's never any other time. 
So just noticing when you also create some distance for you to traverse in meditation, you know, the goal that you need to arrive at, that happens in time. Something that you kind of manufacture through your thinking. You just gave yourself something to arrive at. Uh, this became, I don't know, I just had a kind of a, I don't know, it was kind of a cool experience of this. Uh, I was on a self-retreat, and it's a very simple example. It's nothing, like, outrageous. Uh, I was doing a self-retreat in the woods, and I was alone just for, like, a month. And uh, at one point, I, I got confused about what day it was. And I think, is it Wednesday or Thursday? I don't know. And I kind of went around for a while in this Wednesday or Thursday thing. And at a certain point, I started, and I was like, where is Thursday? And I couldn't find it. And it's just, these are things we just made it up, Wednesday and Thursday. So that also creates some, it's not that that's not useful to know whether it's Wednesdays or Thursday. Yeah, we need that. I know it's Saturday, that's why I'm here. But it's also useful to see how this happens so that we're not just in, uh, trapped by it as if it were a kind of ultimate reality. So, you know, I think, um, I think it's wonderful what you're doing, just being here, you know, sitting and walking. Uh, I think it takes a while to trust this, but in my experience, it, you, you don't have to do a lot of fancy things, you know. Just showing up as best you can is enough, and the practice just unfolds itself. You know? Sometimes we hear the word right effort, and we think that that's a thing we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to find right effort and then do it. But um, my experience is that it's sort of, um, it's a lot more kind of generous than that. Sort of, and the ter- a term I like is just good enough effort. You know? Not right. Sometimes right, I kind of, I got to get it right. It's a good enough effort is just the effort to be here just to be aware that we're already here, you know, and to let that ex- sort of become continuous. We're already here. There is no, okay, there is no Sunday happening. That's just a thought. So it's just recognizing that we're already here, and this is what's already happening. So this is the work of meditation. It's just the knowing this. My name says recognize that this awareness is here and there's uh, experience arising. And when we forget, then we remember again.
Just remember to notice. And he's probably experienced this repeated noticing starts to lead to kind of a, without our extending these moments, they start to kind of become continuous for periods of time. Like little drops of water. First, they're just drops of water, but then they sort of become a stream. Yeah, we can just be carried by the stream. It's just a metaphor, not a great one. (laughs) But you get the sense of it. It's just, okay. This is repeated noticing that this awareness is here. This leads to a, a growing continuity. Maybe I'll stop there tonight. Let's just uh, sit for a moment. May the merits of our practice serve for the welfare and the benefit of all beings everywhere. Including ourselves. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.